Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. I'm here with Stephen Sato. Yes. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's been a while since I've done an in-person podcast. So. Yeah. Well, I've never done one. So okay. This is my very first one. All right. We're <laughs> breaking you in. You are. But you have been helping me work on my public speaking a little Correct. bit. Correct. Yeah. So... I was going to call you a professional public speaker because you're like so good. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm definitely in the process of uh, getting better, like everything else in my life, one step at a time, one day at a time. And yeah. I thought it was really interesting how one of our members found you. Mm-hmm. His name is Victor, and he just came in and knew about your business and knew uh, what it was doing, and he was inspired to just meet you. And <laughs> that was kind of the impetus for all, it all yeah 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 he was bugging me for a couple of months even just telling me about <laughs> toastmasters and i had heard about it quite a few times over the last yeah. decade yeah. and i was like oh it's going to be too expensive which it's not it's basically mm-hmm. free in my like 80 dollars for six months or something the most cost effective uh, growth tribe you'll ever find yeah and everybody's <laughs> trying to grow as an individual and get Mm -hmm. over their fear of public speaking. What do they say about public speaking? Number one fear. Yeah. Yeah, People would rather get bitten, like have spiders crawling all all over them or something. Yeah. I actually had a little bit of that coming into this. Uh. Uh, It was kind of how I felt going into maybe my first public speaking opportunities. Uh, And now what I do is I take that energy and I kind of redirect it and it allows me to project or uh, just show up and, uh, so it's a kind of a, an alchemy of that energy uh, that I've learned through the speaking process. How long have you been doing that? Five like, years. Oh, wow. Yeah, because when you do uh, the Toastmasters? Yes. Because when we have to get up and speak in front of everyone mm-hmm. in the group, and every time you get up, you will like take a second, and I see you kind of like... <laughs> you almost like flex too or something <laughs> do i i don't know yeah and then but you start off with a smile internal flex <laughs> and then you just murder it every time yeah I, I feel like i have so much to improve on uh the first time that speaking became a thing for me was when i was uh finishing up my college gig uh at msu denver and i was connected to the student scholarship uh department and I was kind of an ambassador for them, non-traditional old, older student uh, going back to school at mm-hmm. age 34. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, you same, yeah. yeah. Uh, so first person in the uh, the classroom, front row, mm-hmm. interacting with the teacher. It was very different from when I was 25 years old because back then I didn't really care when I did my first two years, right? Mm-hmm. But I had an opportunity to uh, speak in front of the donors, all of these donors and all these foundations and there was 500 people Whoa. in the audience and I was sat next to um, Mayor Hancock and he spoke first. So I, he, he led me uh, and I had to speak after him and his, his presentation, he's so uh, influential and charismatic that I was a little bit, you know, yeah, beside shook. myself. <laughs> and, but I got up and 
I had meditated quite a bit on on this talk that I wanted to give, and I gave it a lot of energy and effort. So when I showed up in that one instance, I got up, lit up the whole room. They all got out of their seats, standing ovation. Wow. And they all came uh, to me afterwards, and they were congratulating me and telling me how important the the message that I had given to the donors was to inspire them to fund more, et cetera. And that feeling stayed with me for about five days, and I was lit up from that experience, and I've been chasing that ever since. Wow. Uh, And maybe I need to find a bigger stage from time to time to get a little bit more dialed in. Yeah, showcase what you're capable of. The first public speaking I got like introduced with, I was... I guess was uh, open mics and stand up mm-hmm. comedy and oh, really? San Antonio, Texas. Very nice. And the first time I went on stage, I killed. Yes. But then I realized that you have to say the same monologue or, mm-hmm. you know, dialogue every time and I was like this this is too robotic. Uh-huh. I felt like so I wanted to switch it up every time, but that's not how stand-up comedy works. You do the same act mm-hmm. over and over and over and, yeah. you know, tweak it and perfect it yeah. to, and based on the audience reaction. Yeah. And I actually feel like our little Toastmasters Club is <laughs> a mini open mic Agreed. opportunity, yeah. all, but it's not necessarily telling jokes, but it's telling stories. Stories are important. Yeah. Yeah. Inject humor. Yeah. How we look at our life and the experiences that we've had and uh, to be able to express them uh, in in an open forum with people that you don't know in your internal circle, for me, did something special where it kind of, it expanded me and opened me up to some of the the pains and hurts I had had in my life. and when I first joined uh, the speaking kind of group, I was able to tell some of those stories. And quite frankly, it healed me. It healed me of some of these, you know, traumas I had held with me for my whole life. Wow. And that's why sharing that message of telling your story is so important to me is because of the impact that it had on me and, and what it did for my life. Wow. Okay. I never thought of it as a, an opportunity. <laughs> it's like therapy. Yeah. I mean, for you. For, for me, I took it that way, and I, I don't know why I did that. Maybe I, my, uh, my soul heart was ready to kind of uh, enter into that kind of unknown place of my psyche and address it. And, yeah, it did some special things for me. Interesting. I know uh, a couple of times after class you had approached me about mm-hmm. my speech and my focus on meditation and spirituality and you were like we're i'm on that same uh you know journey and correct what is like your affiliation or like connection to spirituality yeah like what do you you know what do you what do you thank you for that uh question and i i love that you have uh that that you're spinning um, I, I want to hear about that as well. My experience is that I was raised uh, by a single parent mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am Japanese Irish. Uh, so my father came to America. So I have a bit of the Shinto Buddhism kind of inside of my DNA, I, I, I say. And I kind of have that knowing, uh, ancestral kind of like knowing. And 
we grew up in the South. My father passed away uh, when I was eight months old. Whoa. We were to be raised with my siblings in Sendai, Japan. And we came back and were raised in North Carolina with the Riggins, our Scottish, Irish background. And so we were, my journey uh, of faith was Baptist, you know, <laughs> upbringing, uh, clapping hymns and Southern Baptist. Do, doing the church thing, right? Um, and then at probably age 13 or 14, my mom dated a, uh, a Cherokee um individual that was a bit of this kind of leader of this Native American group. And uh, I had the opportunity as a young person to do uh, the peace pipe ceremony before sweat lodges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems to be a strange experience. I was really young and I was smoking tobacco and calling out like the directions. So I had that uh, lens or experience. And then uh, 2011, there was an earthquake in uh, Sendai, Japan. It's called, it was called the Great Earthquake, Eastern Earthquake of uh, Japan. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. No, but in two th I, was, I was concerned about the end of the world, the Mayan calendar ending in 2012. <laughs> yeah. So it was right around the same time frame, and I, that's when I moved here. Yeah. Because I, I was like, let me oh get up gosh. to the mountains in case there's a great flood. Nice. But you, you're basically... You got a, you got a bunker out, uh, out on some acreage? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just hoping to not get submerged in the water because we're so high in elevation. Yeah, it feels real safe here uh, to me as well. And good people, good community in Woodland Park, I feel. Uh, but that earthquake was like a shaking of my experienced soul. And uh, at the time, I was in automotive sales and... I had been doing automotive sales for eight, uh, seven years. And um, so this earthquake happened and I was, I remember I was in the showroom of this Honda dealership and uh, I just had this sense of dread that I had lost all my family. Whoa. Um, so the, the epicenter of the wave came in directly, landed on where all their homes were. They were covered in water for three days up to like eight to 10 feet. And so all their homes were destroyed, right? And in my feeling of uh, not knowing what to do and, and not knowing how to help, I formed a nonprofit and did uh, volunteer um, fundraising, building a board. And six months later, I quit my job and I went to Japan. And I did five weeks of volunteer work. And it transformed. It was another kind of step of my own. It transformed this dramatically because I never had the opportunity as a young person to do volunteer work because it's like my, contribute to society yeah, my family and I we were struggling the single parent mother household um, siblings and I was out on my own when I was 17 years old and so this gave me an opportunity to give back and it showed me a different way to to kind of show up and serve and when I came back from that experience uh, I had a, a moment when I was there where I was at a temple and uh, this fellowship is called Shume. They actually have a center in Crestone, Colorado, along with this um, Buddhism uh, center, which uh, oh, yeah. I've given you this little piece as a, a thank you for allowing me to share some space with you. Well, I will have to open this up, I know, but I want to hear a little bit more because you kind of, I don't know if it's a touchy subject, but yeah. you said their houses were submerged mm. in eight to 10 feet of water. Yes. Were they, 
Yeah. Did they make it? Thank you for asking. They all survived. My grandmother, who was at like 87 at the time, was hoisted off of her nursing home facility by helicopter. And a couple of my cousins were uh, um, driving in their car, um, being chased by the tsunami wave. Wow, like so, a movie. Yeah, really interesting um, times and experiences for me. But I was at a temple in Fukushima where the nuclear reactor exploded. Mm -hmm. And I was teaching English to the students through song. And I had never done something like that. So it was this kind of stretchy thing for me. The nuclear reactors were off in the distance. But before we did that lesson plan, we had a um, uh, just a prayer chant mm -hmm. uh, opportunity. And the voices were so resonant within this group of maybe 30 people. I felt something and I'm like, oh, that feels interesting. And so when I came back, I became a member and I was inducted to this fellowship, this Japanese spiritual fellowship on 11, 11, 11. And I never knew that that was my life path number, uh, but I found out years later that it was. And that was kind of like the start for me to like enter into something greater, faith, a deeper meaning behind this kind of matrix, this web of things that's kind of moving. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then there's some other stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the external world can be overwhelming and, but it's all like as within, mm -hmm. so without, if you can calm your inside, yeah. the, the external world seems to calm down with your, your yeah, with your yeah. internal, vibration i yeah. guess and i mean like the i have this egyptian pyramid but in yeah. I, I like to watch nice. to watch a lot of <laughs> youtube videos and about ancient egypt particular yes. they would say like as above so below or as below so above no i don't yeah. know if i'm getting it Her right hermetic but... principles philosophies <laughs> thank you yes yeah, yeah i'm a little bit aware of some of those um, modalities for kind of entering into places sacred places uh, of your heart and soul uh, so i'm studying that i feel like i'm a, a practicing kind of mystic of sorts nice where i spend uh probably an hour and a half every morning um, in deep prayer and meditation. I typically wake up around five o'clock in the morning and I have a whole kind of ritualistic routine around it. And I always say if there was anything, a gift that could be given to, to humanity, it would be like stillness. Yeah. Going inward, having, having that understanding of your own internal world and what it what it means to be able to enter that place and and gain some insight to show up in a greater way in in life and and your community yeah um because everyone's so go 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 busy 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 and facts <laughs> you never take the time to like I, i've talked about it in our group and just mm -hmm. like the my greatest gift as of late has been learning how to meditate properly yeah, and i want to hear about that yeah well there i mean so i do transcendental meditation mm. and i had it was created from guru dev who taught the mm. maharishi mahesh yogi who brought it to wow. 
the Western world in the 70s. Yeah. And it's essentially a mantra meditation, mm -hmm. but you don't externalize mm. the mantra or chanting. It's all like, it's like a mental mantra. And mm. so you're, you know, turning within. Yes. And I, a lot of people have a misconception that to learn how to do TM is mm. very expensive. It's not that expensive. In fact, they yeah. have a tiered payment plan and you're like, well, why do I have to pay? I guess technically you don't have to pay. I'm on this subreddit. Okay. Uh, on meditation yeah. and people are like complaining about mm -hmm. TM and it's too expensive. It's not, it's can be free mm -hmm. if you just tell them you're not making enough money. But if you mm -hmm. do make plenty of money, it's actually priceless. So the price I paid was $800, yeah. which to me, cause then I'm at the hot, that's the that's top the tier thing. Yeah. It was not like, it was so worth it. Yeah. I would pay $8,000. But I'm in a I'm in a different situation than a lot of people. Yeah. But I was trying to meditate. I've been trying to meditate for mm. years, and I would do it on and off, and I would just kind of do it for ten minutes or five mm. minutes, and maybe it, whenever I felt the urge to yeah. do it. But now it's more like preemptive. So and I I do it two times a day, first thing mm. in the morning, and nice. in the once in the afternoon, and I and since January, so it's been about four months, Amazing. I do not miss any like morning or afternoon meditation because I yeah. don't want to. It's yes. not and like, it's not like this guilt thing. It's like, I enjoy it. It feels yeah. like a drug. And yeah. I, I've, I've done a handful of drugs in yeah. my day. Yeah. And, I, I have too, as a young, yeah, young exactly. person yeah. uh, going through life. And mm -hmm. I actually think some of those, uh, help helped me in a way, uh, right. To, mm -hmm. um, experience, a grand moment that I had in meditation four years ago, um, seeing witness or having witness to things that are kind of beyond the, the, the veil of our normal consciousness um, is a gateway, right? So some use that as a gateway. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I, I feel that uh, the more sustaining way that will serve one for a long time is to go in, mm -hmm. in, in, your, in your own uh, meditation, in your own space, um, clear. Mm -hmm. And I think, I believe that's the way that's the sustainable mm -hmm. way long-term that will serve someone, but I don't really care how, how anyone gets there, uh, because they're all valuable. Yeah. But some people, paths. I mean, it's like chasing the dragon and for, yeah. for if you're like a heroin addict or cocaine. Yeah. And <laughs> I know a lot of people are like psychedelics is the mm -hmm. new gateway to enlightenment in Silicon yeah. Valley. And a lot of people, including, uh -huh. um, the community that I'm affiliated yeah. with through my f friends and my brother, he's nice. probably watching this. Nice. And uh, he worked for the guy that made the movie DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Oh, wow. Which is on Netflix. And it was amazing. I don't know if you've heard of I I've DMT. I've watched all those okay. uh, documentaries, as many as I can. And I have a, a calling to go to Peru. Oh, yeah. And be present with a group of friends that want to go on that experience. And I just want to hold space. Do ayahuasca? Uh, yeah, that you know, who who knows if I would go down that path? Uh, I may just to kind of connect in deeper with the group. Yeah, um, or I might just show up and and, and hold space. Yeah, you know, that's so. a an that's a commonly used phrase, the holding space <laughs> for uh, the group. Yeah. And yeah. I've done ayahuasca, I've done DMT, oh my gosh, nice, and yeah. I didn't like the ayahuasca, but I feel like 
I might have gotten a bad batch. DMT was a whole other experience Mm -hmm. where I feel like I did break through to another dimension and literally see the, just another dimension. I was going to say the inner workings of the universe, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the beings that I encountered when I was there turned to me. They were doing their own thing. I like traveled through a wormhole, if you will, and I popped in on what was like, it was like a glass house. And there were these jesters and they were drinking tea oh my gosh and they turned to me like and they went he went like like that and no words Mm. but i internalized or interpreted him saying we you know we're here we exist but you don't need to be here Mm. um you've seen it Mm -hmm. it's real but go back to your dimension and do the work you need to do there um I know I've, I have heard of other experiences from other people that have done DMT where there was jesters, which these were jesters, which is really weird. And this is after yeah. my experience. I heard this and they'll like shoot the bird, which it wasn't the bird. It was this. <laughs> so, but similar entities of sort. Yeah. Right. That manifest in a certain way that you can actually internalize and, and receive. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, and it made me feel as though there is life after death mm-hmm. or, or consciousness outside the ex- physical, which, you know, a lot of people fear that. And it was really confirming of, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not Jesus and maybe it is Jesus. Maybe it's whatever the, yeah. uh, the greater um, entity or the universal mm-hmm. God force that exists. I just, yeah. I, there's something bigger than this a hundred percent yeah uh, i think we're doing this for a specific reason i think you you came into the club we linked for a reason uh the the threads with people and places are so important uh, my experience of doing heavy meditation for a full year led me to uh, some really um transcendental moments and mystical moments that uh, they feel and and they're likened when I watch uh, shows on near-death experiences. Yeah. And I I hear what the people are seeing, what they're kind of feeling and how they come back in a greater way to show up with more clarity. Um, So mine happened in in a different modality, yeah? I began meditation and prayer when I was at my ground zero. Rock uh, bottom? Rock bottom, dark night of the soul. Um, moment where I first moved to Colorado Springs and everything was going amiss. Uh, my intuition was no longer, uh, I was no longer hearing the path. Yeah. It was completely cloudy, uh, muffled. And I hear that happens where you ha- before you have a spiritual awakening, your guides will kind of disappear. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll um, take a hike and then other ones will be installed. Yeah, so I've kind of heard that, and that felt it feels true because I felt that I felt lost. Um, I was challenged with uh, things, business, wife, all of these things were coming to this place where my soul goes, uh, get still, get quiet, spend time in in the void or in silence. Mm-hmm. And so I began to wake up every morning and and do that. And I was in that space for uh, two and a half months of 2019, uh, the beginning of the year. It was just kind of a quick 
meditation, uh, guided meditations of five mm -hmm. minutes, that kind of a thing, mm -hmm. 15 minutes. And then at some point, uh, I go, I don't, I don't need the, the audio. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I just got off the audio yeah. guided around like the end of last year. I was nice. The guided meditations are great. If the, if you need yeah. that, or if you're just starting out, yeah. cause it can kind of help you find that peace, mm -hmm. full like state of being. But at some point you'd like take off the training wheels so to speak. Indeed. Yeah. Headspace, yeah. all those are, are great for that. And I, I still use those today, but at this moment, um, th those training wheels were kind of removed, as you said, and, uh, my intuition said, okay, this morning, go outside and do your practice. This was, uh, what is that? March. So here in Colorado, a lot of snow, still cold. So I would go outside in my backyard and we were living in old Colorado city at the time, my wife and I, and, uh, barefooted. I would go in the backyard, I'd walk in the snow and I'd do these little circles. And this was all like intuitive. I just did it. And I would, I would put a blanket over me and I would begin my practice. And I did that for two weeks straight. Didn't miss a day, went out. Uh, the second weekend I opened my eyes and I saw the world differently. I, I kind of felt the essence of things. I felt like I was the sap that was in the trees in my backyard and I could feel like the age of the tree and I began to hear like the birds chirping off in the distance and I felt the mountains and I go, oh, what is this, right? Connected, you were connected. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I would go on these outdoor walks and um, that feeling stayed with me and I would, I would feel the essence of like kind of like the air and it just felt like union, right? Mm-hmm. And... My business at that time really took off. Nice. And, and so like there's the entrepreneurial part of like meditation, right? Like when you're connected and fully aligned, there's some favor that can come in and pieces start to align with people and, and business and services. And everyone that had been saying no to me for the past six months, because I had uprooted from Denver and came down south, they all said yes. And I had this massive like kind of income inflection into my business. We bought a house in Woodland Park. Nice. Uh, when we didn't have a single kind of you know, dime to make that purchase. So we came up here and I continued on that path, going deep into meditation, prayer. And like you said, I would wake up and I, I would just be excited to do it, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to give me a feeling of wholeness and, and, and peace and focus. So I, I just kept doing it. And my meditations morphed from 30 minutes to 45 minutes, to an hour, to two hours. And this was me breathing heavily, getting still, no audio. And I began to go on these kind of like journeys of my subconscious. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel it's more like the quantum space that we're kind of communicating in and out of. And I continued on that path. And at the end of the year, on the, in the middle of November, I went down to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where my family lives, and I was staying with my sister. And uh, it was 3.45 in the morning. I was in her spare room, and my eyes opened, and my intuition goes, go to your practice right now. So I went outside. I put a chair there. I was in my boxers. I put a towel on my head, and it was raining. It was cold. Once again, outside, my feet were on, on the, the wet uh, brick and earth <laughs> of the Santa Fe home. And I began to ask these questions about my life. It was like the spinning energy. I was asking like, what does this mean to me? 
what does this part of my life mean? And then I flipped the question. I kind of, I took it and I spun it the opposite polar of the question. What do I mean to it? And when I made that, that thread of that connection, this light came into my chest and it filled up my body and the cells began to like pulsate. Nice. I, I felt as if I had like my, my finger in a lock, light socket of a electrical outlet. And it was so um, all encompassing that my, my arms, I was, I, was trying to, I was trying to hold the energy. So I was like grabbing right here and I was moaning, sobbing, uh, like loud sobbing, right? And I held this energy for, it could have been an hour or so. And it, it kind of came to a place where it was uh, enough where I could kind of get my conscious awareness back. And I stood up and my, my sister has this uh, sweat lodge in her backyard. I walked down this hill and I went in front of the sweat lodge and I was guided. My body was being guided by another kind of energy. And I began to do this ceremony prayer over the entrance of the sweat lodge. They have a rock circle and I was, I was, there was all this energy in my hand and I was making these movements and I was speaking in another language and my own psyche allowed it to happen. And I, I, I didn't cause any pause. I just went through the motions and, uh, at the end I go ceremony done, got up, <laughs> uh, walked to my room. It felt like my feet were on fire felt like they had burst into flames and I, I walked into my room and I had this uh, journal that I'd kept with me for that year. And I go, I'm going to write about what I'm experiencing when I travel in my meditational moments. And my hands grabbed the book, grabbed a pen and I began to write. Wow. And, and, and a full page came out and it said something to the effect of, we are here in this lifetime to experience a heart fragment exchange with other people. We're lucky if we do it once. We're, we're, it's, our goal is to do it once. We're lucky if we do it twice. And it also said the earth, the, uh, the, the world is dying. And uh, I am you, peace be with you. And it all came out in this page. And I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on and put the book down and I was just filled up with this energy. So I got my sister in the morning. They'd woke up maybe like an hour after I was sitting in the bed processing. And, uh, I was like, something just took place inside of me and, uh, I need to tell you about it. So they went to another room and they're, they're kind of, uh, uh spiritual down, down in Santa Fe, right? In yeah. New Mexico, they have this kind of higher vibration. So they got out some sage and some Palo Santos and started hitting me with it. And I was like, okay. Um, and the last four years have been an integration of what took place in that moment, right? Yeah. I've had another experience almost a year to the date like that. It was here in Woodland Park and uh, where the same thing happened. It took over my whole body. I was, I was on this hike in the National Forest and uh, I was able to control it more. In fact, I took my hands and I plunged them into the, the earth to get kind of centered in that, in that second experience. And for a full year, I... I went to this void and I wrote. So I have three uh, journals filled with experiences, past lifetimes. And uh, 
and it I've since that moment and and those additional moments that have happened it's never left me it's always been with me and when I hear these stories about like near-death experience um, people that go through it I, I feel that that energy I was in was that like uh, unicity that oneness that is available to us and we enter it when we pass we go into this energy field and it absorbs us and we become you know the far reaches of you know the universe and the, like the start and the finish and and all of that uh, in one and I also had this kind of life review that took place all the moments in my life begin to make sense well, I was here in this moment and, and that meant that and and so all the threads began to connect in and uh, yeah, man, this is crazy, <laughs> dude. And you're spinning this uh, <clears throat> this pyramid. What, what I want to ask you, what does that mean to you? Because I have some um, connection with that too. I just I, I was clicking a pin. I, it's nothing that deep, honestly. <laughs> other than I was clicking a pin in a couple a couple of podcasts ago, and my brother was like, "Instead of clicking a pin, can you get like a fidget spinner yeah. or something?" And he said to he sent me a couple of. <laughs> nice. uh, I love it. By the way, yeah, a couple of different um, yeah. links, and I was like, okay, that's cooler than a pin. Yeah. So it's not that deep. Yeah. But there is something fascinating, obviously, about the pyramids and the Egyptians, and there's like ancient um, yes. knowledge and uh, technology that we don't really understand, 100%. which yeah. makes it there's definitely been ancient civilizations that have yeah. disappeared and respawned and, and just yeah. probably disappeared again. And, yeah. and that was one of them. So there's, there's a lot of unknowns yeah. that make the world more m mystical yeah. and, you know, there's just more to life than mm -hmm. work and TV and yeah. It, there's you and, and my journey within has it's just really created a lot of peace in mm -hmm. my body you know i've yeah. have, had a lot of anxiety and mm -hmm. maybe even depression where now it seems to solidify my brain mm -hmm. into it because instead of having like a fragmented thoughts or there's you know there's different mm -hmm. sections of your brain that like your amygdala or your yes. medulla oblongata or uh -huh. whatever. Yeah. And when your brain is working in unison, yes. everything kind of, you're not going to have as much stress because you're Correct. processing things more clearly and your understanding is, mm -hmm. I don't even know the word, but yeah. um, it, you have more understanding and there's, yeah. you're not like, uh, paranoid or mm -hmm. stressing out about oh, a particular thought loop. Yeah, it you're my, I don't have that problem mm -hmm. as much anymore. Where I keep going over the same thoughts yeah. over and over. It's like it process your brain processes information mm -hmm. better, and you Completely. can think more clearly. Yeah, uh, my best friend uh, passed when I was twenty three years old. And uh, he, dry, he died from a drug overdose, mm. and uh, it, it destroyed me. Yeah, I, I was in depression and anxiety 
for five years and it almost took me out, right? Uh, I found meditation then, right? And I didn't know what meditation would mean to me today, but I practiced meditation for about 17 years before this experience happened, yeah? And what it gave me was calm. I could, mm -hmm. I could actually calm my breath when I was had heart palpitations. Uh, I was freaking out. I used to have these dreams, man, where um, I was reaching for the surface of the water and I was just about to break it and I couldn't break and I would wake up in this dread and fear and it was from losing my best friend and not knowing what that meant, what death meant and mm. the passing um, process. But uh, I did this six month at the time. It was like a CD set with some some uh, DVDs and it was these group therapy sessions of people talking about their anxiety and depression. And I, I, I didn't feel alone when I, when I got into this thing and it was something I could study from my house. I didn't have to kind of share it and be that vulnerable and be like, cause I thought I was, you know, there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned it was, it, it's a human thing. It's the post-traumatic stress of something that happens and you internalize it in a certain way. Uh, so, I highly recommend uh, anyone to get into that talk therapy thing for that. Um, but I, I used to do the ceremonial thing. It was part of the process of this six month um, set. It was called uh, attacking anxiety and depression. Hmm. And, uh, but you would take a, a pad of paper with you. And uh, during the day you would have a negative or defeating thought and you would write it on the piece of paper. You know, you would kind of like take it from here and put it yes. somewhere. Yeah. Get then, it out of you. Yeah. And then I would go home and uh, ceremoniously burn the yes. page in the backyard. I've been doing that recently, actually, <laughs> also, and that's so therapeutic. You write down your worst fears or anxieties yeah. and just burn that shit. Yeah. And it's either it's magic or I don't know, but it seems to be working. Every time I do it, I'll have like these just negative thought loops yeah. that are really bugging me. And mm -hmm. it intuitively... I've been writing these mm -hmm. things down and burning it. I know I, I went great. to uh, La Jolla in January because mm. I was just losing it. And maybe we're mm. in the mountains and the sun yeah. was going down at four o'clock and you have like mountain fever or mm -hmm. seasonal depression from lack of sun. Sure. So I went to California just to meditate and mm. See the beach and yeah. journal, and that's mm -hmm. when I that's when I started journaling. I, I'm not doing it as good as I was there, mm -hmm. but when I am doing it pretty much every day. Yes. But there I was like by myself, and all, that my whole time there mm -hmm. was devoted to figuring out what was going on with me. Yeah, and I just I know I wrote down a few pages of kind of my worst fears and, and mm. anxieties and I went to the beach and just there was a bunch of people walking around so I'm like if I light a fire on the beach <laughs> somebody's gonna be like hey what are you doing so I kind of like <laughs> tucked under a not a bridge but yeah. a barrier and yeah. did just, a little ceremony yeah I did a little ceremony and energetic it, it was release. like it released from yeah. and I the, the, whatever I wrote I don't mm really I know what it had to do with and it was mm. kind of personal so I won't get into mm. it too much but that those anxieties have vanished and mm. anything that's popped up I've only had to do it one other time mm -hmm. since January and <clears throat> it just 
it, it, I don't know if it's magic, like I said, or what, but it seems to <laughs> you're, you're alchemizing the energy out Al, the alchemist you were mentioning. Yeah, it's, good book. Uh, it's such a great <laughs> book. And you were talking about how there was that point where everything started to get cloudy and you weren't mm -hmm. able to read the, the messages from the universe or, yeah. and yeah. that's right before you had this breakthrough, but yes. that's one of the things that I feel like I have, but mm. um, a lot of people, like it's there's so much noise in their brain that they can't yes. hear the messages from God. Correct. To, and that we have guides in a way that yeah. kind of, oh, you know, like help you find your path. Yeah. And, but people are like either stubborn or yeah. don't listen or just, it's like I said, it's too loud. Their mind. These things. Yeah. Yeah. The phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just for the, the, the fact of putting that down uh, yeah. and, and getting into even in nature. Yeah. Taking oh, a walk. Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's pretty healing. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forest bathing. Right. It's the terminology for that. I mean, just taking your, yeah, taking your <laughs> shoes off and walking on the earth. And it's funny that uh, you were like, you were walking around in the snow barefooted because yeah. I was doing that too. Not too long ago. A lot Sweet. of these things you were saying, I, I was like, <laughs> whoa, I was doing that. And then you said yeah. your dad died and my dad died. Although it was way later, mm -hmm. I was in my uh, like mid twenties. Mm. Um, but I, I was also right about to go on my mm -hmm. second tour which is where I came up with the idea for Sheath. Mm, and sweet. he he just, um, he kind of killed himself mm. in a way because he just, he mm. he was drinking a lot mm. and his, he, I, you know, he had the liver mm. thing that happens when mm. you drink a lot and yeah. instead of stopping, mm. he just kept going. Mm. And he didn't want to see anyone. He didn't want to see me or my brother. He was doing it kind of in hiding yeah. and just there's like a country song. I turn, you mm. turn the bottle mm. to the, basically you turn the bottle upside down and mm -hmm. he just finished the job. And it yeah. was, I never really, I've cried a couple of times since then, but at mm -hmm. the time I was just, I was about to go to Iraq. Mm -hmm. I'm in the army. I didn't yeah. have time to even process it, yes. you know? And yeah. you, you said you were strong in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I'm, um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm sure that had a big impact on your trajectory of your life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, those, those, those hurts and those traumas, uh, turn into like these amazing gifts for us over time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've gotten to that point with that particular. I'm at peace with it. He's like him and my two grandfathers. Yeah. Yeah. They're like yeah. the three Kings. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ancestral, uh, wisdom of those elders mm -hmm. are within They're They're within you in your, in your biology. Right. Yeah, for and sure. You carry their spirit, mm -hmm. and um, I have a practice that I do to honor those that have passed on: my father, my grandmothers, and uh, in the Japanese tradition, we have a a place in our home. It's called the Butsudan, and what you do is you have an area. It's a good idea to like have it in a specific area, highest of your house, and 
there's some other kind of parts to be away from water and stuff like that. But you put photos of them hmm. and you light a candle mm -hmm. and you have uh, incense or Palo Santos and you bring them fruit, you bring them tea or something that they really loved and you put it in this place and it's, uh, it translates to an ancestor box, the Butsudan. And it's a way to kind of feed them, feed the energy of their, the significance of their life. And um, so who knows? Maybe that's something that uh, you could adopt mm -hmm. to honor kind of what they mean to you. And I'm sure you have many ways that you do that already. Yeah. I just think about them every now and then. And, yeah. and it's, if I'm like struggling, mm -hmm. I'll, that's who I like go to for guidance. Yeah. You know? And because, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, without them, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here anyways. Yeah, 100%. They were good. They were all really good guys. Yeah. Ultimately. And but life can be life can be hard. And mm -hmm. um, in the like gen the last generation mm -hmm. before us, there was not as much information about biohacking and mm -hmm. and what's good or bad for you. And they were constantly yeah. smoking cigarettes and drinking. Oh my gosh. And yeah. it's like, uh, you fools, <laughs> but they didn't know any better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you and I did. Cause we witnessed it. Yeah. Exactly. And we, yeah. and, and, but at some point along the journey, some of their experience got into us and we go, Oh, maybe there's a different way. Yeah. You know? And, uh, was what was taught to them. And, uh, yeah, they didn't know any better. That's yeah. that's the main thing. And like both, even my mom, you know, she, they're just, they grew up. It's very, it's like very a simpler time. And mm -hmm. some people might say a better time, because now we're Agreed. overloaded <laughs> with information. Yeah. But yeah. they just, there's so much more information now about how to take better care of yourself and. Oh my gosh. You know, peak. Um, performance and uh -huh. all these little biohacks and stuff. Agreed. I remember being in elementary school and uh, we would walk to school. This was in Key West, Florida, where I grew up. But my best friend that passed, right, we would mm. walk to school together. And um, we would go to the convenience store to grab a snack. We'd gotten a dollar or two or whatever, and we'd go into that convenience store and eyesight was all the tobacco, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so we as young kids used to Steal them. Steal them. Dude, we're like the same person. <laughs> this is funny. And we would uh, go to the alleyway and we'd puff on them and... Um, Get a headache. Yeah, and, then, like and then go to, <laughs> to school as these young kids. But, I mean, that's how present and forward-facing those things were that were not good for the body, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I, I remember that. And, uh, Dollar went a lot further too. <laughs> yeah, that was so bad. Where, where just, were you? Where was the uh, your youth? Uh, Georgia, so not too far cool. from Florida. Yeah. Same weather. I basically. lived in Decatur for a year. Okay. Yeah. Same yeah. For Florida. So you know, you're familiar with the uh, Outcast and Goody Mob, no? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, okay. We were in uh, middle school when we were there. And Hootie Who came out. Oh yeah, I was dude. The, the, everyone down the in the hallways was going Hootie Who, tight like hallways, <laughs> smoked out hallways. Yeah, and it was a it was a gigantic um, movement there. 
you know <laughs> and then obviously that it just turned into this massive kind of big movement uh, yeah. everywhere yeah they're there's awesome. the, yeah they became a part of the culture you know not just the georgia that area you know they blew up all over the world and yeah really huge influence big boy and mm. whatever the other dude's name is andre andre 3000 <laughs> um yeah yeah so the, the, you're like irish and scottish which mm -hmm. i'm irish and scottish nice. with native american and a bunch of other stuff cool. i did my my ancestry.com have nice. you done that i have yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. a pretty I'm Jewish. I'm black. I'm like all... <laughs> We're a blend. Everyone's yeah. a blend. Uh -huh. And that's something maybe to understand too that, yeah. gosh, uh, yeah. Uh, so the test we I, I did was uh, DNA and it tracked us from uh, Africa mm -hmm. to the Adamant Islands, which is this little secluded island. And then uh, the, um, the chromosome went up to Northern Japan. And that was the father's side, right? And northern Japan is where the Aborigine um, Japanese population was first, you know, um, found in time. They're called Ainu, and uh, they they look African American. Oh they wow! Have coarse hair, dark skin, and I was always curious about that because my uncles I had met for the first time when I was 25 uh, were really dark skin little bit bigger noses like I got on my face and really kind of curly hair. Um, so I've, I've kind of went down the rabbit hole along with my sister and understanding what that culture means. And, and they were very similar to uh, Native American uh, communities where they were kind of shunned right over time because they darker complected and they lived off in the mountains. So there's some negative kind of like um, treatment of them too, uh, which... I, I thought was interesting, but uh, they're really reverent, deep practices for the nature and earth and like what that means, you know? So that's something I'm curious about and learning more about. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten away from nature for the most part. We're all like into electronic <laughs> life and, um, yeah. And artificial intelligence is on its way. We're oh going <laughs> in the like the direction against Mother Nature mm -hmm. a little bit, and I've, I mean, a lot of us kind of fantasize about going back mm. to our roots and just like a natural way of living mm. because it seems like a, a better time. I don't know. It's like too much. A little bit of peace, yeah. uh, deeper community connections. Let's slow things down a little bit. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job here in Lo uh, Woodland of building these uh, community connections. Yeah, so I'm, I'm grateful for that, and uh, I look forward to see what happens and how that blossoms out. Yeah, uh, with uh, the community here. But yeah, it's uh, we grew up in the south, and uh, we lived out on some land. And this is kind of an interesting story. My uh, my mom leased some land to own it, put down some money, and uh, we had no house on that land. So we, my siblings and I, we lived on the land for a year, and we built a longhouse. And we lived on the land through a full winter with this uh, structure that we had built. We, uh, we took pine uh, cedar trees, debarked them, 
post hole dug, put them in the ground, tied them, wove trees, uh, you know, limbs, hay, tarps, and we had a fire pit in there. And it was a really interesting that's experience. That's cool. I bet that, that sounds fun. Yeah, it, it was like the, the poverty of my life, right? Like how, how, how are the stories of my life? How, how, how do they, what do they mean to me now? I looked at those moments as these adventure moments, right? Yeah. And I call it the wilderness experience. Um, I had a mentor tell me, take your stories of your life and put a title to them and write them out. And, and that, that one experience turned into the, the wilderness experience for me. But it's the most magical times of my life. Yeah, <laughs> that reminds me, I've been, we've been watching Naked and Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that shit. And <laughs> it sounds like you did your own little version. <laughs> Maybe not naked, but or like alone. And just living off the land and yeah. working with w what the land provides to yeah. build a shelter, a fire, mm -hmm. water, or, and yeah. food. And we were hippies. Yeah. Mo Mom was a, uh, uh, what do you call that? Gypsy. <laughs> Gypsy, right? Where we kind of moved around a lot and, uh, you know, but built some good traits inside of me jumping around to all these schools, right? We went to a new school every six months to a year. I moved around a lot too. You too? Just more never... tie-ins with us? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I said I lived in Georgia, but that was from fourth grade to seventh or eighth grade mm -hmm. and then i moved to california mm -hmm. from ninth grade to my senior year then i moved back to georgia mm -hmm. but i actually i was actually born in san antonio texas mm -hmm. and that's where like most of my family still remains in san antonio so texas georgia california and then yeah. when I, and then i did my army yeah Saw the world a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean a little bit, most mostly just uh, Iraq yeah. and Kuwait. Yeah. Um, but thank you for your service. It was pretty wild, and it was pretty. Yeah. It, it was fun. The the experience. I recommend a lot of people, sh you know, join the military if you are aimless or what too wild. You know, it'll kind of. Yeah give you some structure yes. and give you a platform to jump off from mm -hmm. to start your, you know, like the next chapter in your life. If, if you don't, you know, do your 20 years or you do do your 20 years, yeah. but I, it definitely helped me turn like mature mm -hmm. from a boy to a man. And I found out like what I was made of, mm -hmm. like they push you into through you know your limits physically mentally yeah, not necessarily nice. spiritually but i did find spirituality while i was in iraq yes um just because i had a lot of time to i don't know the universe kind of like presented it to me while mm -hmm. i was there i'm not sure exactly why mm. but i was I, that's when i started I, I remember i would go up on top of our living quarters and they it was like the roof, you could go hang out on the roof. So mm -hmm. I was hanging out on the roof and doing yoga and meditating and looking at the, the stars. Mm -hmm. And the sky there is different than the sky here. You know, it's yeah. more like a purpley, hazy. Wow. You know, as opposed to Woodland Park, you know, mm -hmm. we're so, we're above the clouds. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's yeah. more clear yeah. here. Whereas there it was, you know, there was more like almost texture in the sky and but that's where i maybe like found some connection within mm -hmm. 
mm. and it started this whole process of the inner journey, which people need to quit looking for answers outside themselves mm -hmm. and asking other people, you know, what do you think? I mean, you can do that. That's fine, I guess. Yeah. But I like what you you said, like, what, what do, what does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, what do I mean mm -hmm. for it? Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, that's pretty. It, it was, trippy. it was ownership of, of some kind and a, a connection that I hadn't considered. Yeah. And, and all of, uh, those mystical moments that took place and, and the grounded return from those experiences are everything's connected, mm -hmm. highly, highly connected. Our thoughts, feelings, emotions, acts, deeds, not that we need to show up and be perfect because that's unrealistic. And that's a fallacy of a lot of practices or religions. Yeah. But to totally to show up in a way uh, intentionally to serve others, uh, th those were the principles that came out of that experience, right? And yeah, it shapes me every day. It it, it centers me and takes me in that right direction. And then the then the antenna, the radar is up. <laughs> yeah, if you have that moment of quiet redirection. So you can enter your day and really listen to uh, someone that comes into your experience and maybe you need to give them something. Maybe you need to show up for them and like just simply smile at them or maybe you need to stop and have a full-blown hour-long conversation with a stranger, right? So those experience happen to me all the time now because of getting still. And it's a, it's a constant battle. It's a constant practice, right? If I find I have a day or two without clarity and, and, and quiet, I get spun off in all these directions and all these initiatives, efforts. So it's, it's kind of like air we breathe. It's that important, I believe, to get in there and just have some calm and peace, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and love this thing first. <laughs> like... I think that common peace uh, for me it allowed me to love me, mm -hmm. right? And then that that kind of radiance from this kind of region of the body, right? The heart. There's an energy there that kind of starts to shoot out, and um, people feel it. Yeah, right? I feel it. I can see it, and like you're like kind of beaming <laughs> with some sort of radiance. <laughs> uh, and it and it it wanes. Yeah, of course, it, it wanes. Uh, so I do some mental toughness things. So maybe uh, some of the audience will like this, but you, you do training and um, MA fighters. and But uh, yeah, so a part of my journey is the physical, yeah? Yeah. So how can I get into this body? And that's a gateway into higher states too. Uh, so currently I'm training for an Ironman. Uh, say it kind of publicly to have more accountability and ownership over it. Uh, I've told a few people. And uh, I saw the Iron Cowboy, uh, James Lawrence, that did the 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. No. I, I, I saw him speak in Vegas, and he inspired the hell out of me. Uh, I recorded his, uh, his talk, so I have it on a YouTube channel, and I can share it with you if you like. I'd love it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm up to 10 miles running and 25 miles on the bike. I'm going to start the swim part at the aquatic center. We got that aquatic mm -hmm. center here and uh, go on a 24-month journey of uh, showing up 
in the and and getting grounded in the body, right? Because one thing I really it's hard for me to uh, um, have too much of is uh, some communities they're 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 so uh, in a place of high vibration, right? <laughs> they're almost like floating in the clouds, essentially. Um, I have certain communities that I've been to uh, that I love, but it's overwhelming for me. So. My wife's encouraged me because she's the realest, grounded one. Make mine also. Yeah, she yeah. encourages me get grounded. So that's one step for me to get in the body, uh, push it, and see what's possible. And I also feel that um, we all have a dream that's embedded inside of our subconscious, and some of us know what it is. Some of us have actively moved into it. And some of us aren't even aware that it's there. So meditation is one way to get really clear and look into the heart and mind and find, why are we here? There, there is a reason why we're here, I believe. And uh, the soul contract is, it's there just waiting for us to reveal it. We knew what it was from a young age. Maybe it's something as a child when we were in an activity where time passed away. That feeling of doing something out of the sheer joy of it holds within it a great potential for uh, your family, the community at large, the collective consciousness to do that thing. Move into that space of joy, love, uh, dream. And, the then, and then and then attach it to a goal. Yeah. And, and do the whole thing to make it grounded and step-by-step, step, uh, methodical tracking to get there and relentless effort and all that. But I think we're afraid to dream, man. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it, it, because you're not being realistic and a lot of people will tell you that, you know, it's like get, be realistic, take, get a job, get married, do <laughs> the I know traditional. That I held it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I didn't know what I was doing which is why i joined the army because yeah. i was kind of going in a path towards a dead end of mm. corporate life which i just Me didn't too. have <laughs> uh i was working in a cubicle and it, it was paying the bills and it was fine and it was kind of fun you know like if you watch the office you know you can have a fun relatively meaningful life in an yeah. office environment but yeah. you're also trapped Mm -hmm. by the limitation that it it holds because yeah. you you can't you're not like your own boss mm -hmm. and we uh, you know mm -hmm. we all kind of want something different and some people don't mm -hmm. or at least they tell themselves they don't want to do what I'm doing mm -hmm. or do like working for someone else is good enough and that's fine and or they're scared yeah. to take a risk mm -hmm. it, because it's not guaranteed and you know a guaranteed paycheck is safe and yeah. it's warm and yeah, fuzzy it, and, pay, uh, it pays the bills but prickly <laughs> over yeah. time uh the entrepreneur journey is super valuable yeah um i have a one of my best friends that climbed the corporate ladder from a uh, a bookkeeper to uh finance director to um CFO, president of the company. So the entrepreneur journey has all this upside too. Yeah. Um, 
but the entrepreneur journey is uh it's not for the faint of heart it's scary it sucks <laughs> at times i mean it sucks most of the time yeah it, and, it, it, i i just i remember laying in bed you know at night just w with overwhelming anxiety <laughs> about whether or not oh my gosh, like yeah. how i'm gonna pay the bills or you know pay for some project that it yeah. sheath was you know endeavoring towards whether it's just mm. ordering more product or working with mm. a particular um influencer yeah. and I, I make a deal with them and now okay well if it doesn't work out i'm stuck with mm -hmm. the bill you know mm -hmm. these youtubers and mm -hmm. fighters and stuff they'll mm -hmm. do the ad for you but once you pay or once you make the deal, if they mm -hmm. if the ad doesn't work, you still have to pay them. Mm -hmm. And and when you make the decision to put out a new product, yeah. if it doesn't sell, mm -hmm. then you're, st you're stuck with whatever. We did a Kickstarter, uh -huh. and I I met a lot of other Kickstarter entrepreneurs that you know mm -hmm. that did successful projects, but one of the guys he he was selling phone cases, you know, and he did a Kickstarter and he sold a, mm. a successful Kickstarter for phone cases, but now he has a closet full of phone cases, <laughs> you know, because yeah. once of inventory. Yeah. Just because you have a successful Kickstarter now, that's just the start. Mm -hmm. You know, now you got to build an audio, you know, build from that yeah. platform, that launch pad of, a core group of customers mm -hmm. that are supporting you. They want to, I feel like they want to see you succeed mm -hmm. because they'll be a part of the journey yeah. with you from the beginning. And we still have a lot of the customers that were mm -hmm. in that original Kickstarter. Nice. But it, so I was able to grow from that and, and mm -hmm. I appreciate, you know, every single one of my customers and you have Sato, Sato. <laughs> Yeah, company. What is tell tell me about that? What is that? Thank you for asking. Well, you you mentioned VA, right? Uh, you probably got some great entitlements from being in the military. For and, sure. Uh, college yeah. and ability to buy a home. With yeah, it helped me pay for my college. Money down, right? When I got out of the military, the way I was able to pay the bills during the you know the initial stages of Sheath was through the VA. Mm -hmm. They were paying for my. They were paying me to go to college. It's amazing. And I so I had to go to college to get the paycheck from the VA yeah. and that helped kind of yeah. get through those first couple of years and by the and I got my master's degree because they were paying me. Amazing. And yeah. immediate like the universe kind of mm -hmm. aligned itself where once I got my master's degree I was she started paying me. It was so the wow. VA stopped paying me and then she started that, that's amazing. I bet there's so many uh, moments in your trajectory that are really interesting. Uh, as mine, uh, I got into real estate. So I have a real estate team, and uh, it's currently only me. We've had buyer agents, virtual assistants. We leaned up, and now we're in the process of uh, growth. I'm hiring on my uh, one of my best friends. He moved from Florida. He's going to be a buyer agent. Nice. And uh, he's a recruiting guy. So I like working with friends. They say don't hire your friends <laughs> or family, but that's basically all of the people I work with. Yeah. So. Yeah. Still have to have standards, et cetera, yeah. of of just you know growth or whatever. 
But um, I'm really honored that my buddy is doing 75 hard with me, and I, oh, I, I'm on like phase two of it. But um, I know yeah. what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on day 13 of phase two. So I'm at that like real clarity place where like you're eating good. You've worked out. I've worked out twice today already. A uh, gallon of water. Reading really important books. I'm reading mm-hmm. the Iron Cowboys, uh, uh, Redefine Impossible, along with uh, uh, the Power of Kindness, which is a, a book that was gifted me gifted to me by these monks. They okay. bought a home with me, right? They bought their spiritual center wow. uh, through, through Team Sato, and also uh, Shoemade that's also in. Crestone, Colorado, they've they've purchased a, a couple of um, homes for spiritual centers in the uh, Denver uh, wow. metro area. How cool is that? Yeah, so that's when you combine the right the 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 physical the world. world and the spiritual world in a really cool business setting. Yeah, it's the joy of my life. It's the the most important thing I could possibly do be doing because I know of the impact that they have on communities. Right, they get in there and. Uh, they teach these practices of meditation. They teach these practices of uh, honoring things and uh, appreciating art and beauty is a, a tenet of uh, Shume, uh, along with natural agriculture. Yeah, so um, they do this process in Japan and all over the world. They have so many centers all over the world, but they wake up in the morning, all of their crew, and they pray. They pray over the, the crops that they're nurturing, yeah? And then they uh, they collect you know the harvest, and at the end of the season they put hay out and natural things out on the land to allow it to decompose and then come back and regenerate the earth, right? So I'm honored to be connected with a couple of those fellowships, and uh, and then it's connected through business too, which I always say, gosh, do business with your best friends too. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and but be very professional and right and hold, you know. I don't know, guide people in the right way, um, but some people shy away from that. Right, they're like, well, I shouldn't use my best friend for so and so and so. Maybe it's the wrong friend if you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I've found the best business dealings I've ever done have been with family and friends, and and then clients turn into family and friends for me because mm-hmm. I want that deep, deep connection with the people that I serve and people that I show up to really, really form true community. I call it. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can make a living doing like serving the people in your community and it's like a win-win and with friends and family and we're all making money and it helps you grow as a person, then I don't see anything wrong with that. And if you have a bad, bad apple in the bunch then you have to do what you got to do to distance yourself from them which i've had to do but that is realistic that can happen yeah yeah we had i mean a couple of people but for the most part no one well recently someone did quit but we had no one Mm -hmm. quit sheath for like a decade and um and i i feel like part of it has to do with the economy with you know Mm-hmm. We had hit a like stagnation mm. po- uh, point mm. after COVID because during COVID we like s- spiked hard. Discretionary income. Yeah. In online all the pockets of all exactly. these. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Individuals across the country. Yeah. And then <laughs> with all the money injected into the, the 
uh, economy. One. Yeah, and then it <laughs> ultimately, like a lot of people stopped working, and then it seemed like we had a bit of a recession. The Great Resignation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of studying of that, and and uh, I was researching it recently, and and I thought quantitative easing was something that had been around for a long time. It was first installed in 2008 for the Great. Uh, the uh, rest, bank, uh, the Great Recession, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's when it was first installed, and and it's been a a vehicle ever since. And that's this massive uh, level of debt we have, is in part uh, by that vehicle of massaging. The interest buy, rates and all that, buy, like zero percent interest rates, or what do you? I don't even know. I've heard that quantitative easing, but I don't. I'm not. I don't really understand what that is. Yeah, it, it's what you said, printing money. Yeah. 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 It's the same. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it's a little bit scary. Yeah. And it has a negative effect. Ultimately, it seems like, anyways, so yeah. far. And they think because we. Uh, you know, it's a world economy now, mm -hmm. and because the whole world uses the dollar or was it's kind of seems to be shifting away from that or the potential of shifting away from mm -hmm. the dollar as the world currency yeah. but that injecting all this money into the american economy didn't have as much of a negative effect as it mm -hmm. could have if we didn't have the uh, you mm -hmm. know the entire world using our currency so it's it, it's still bad but it could have been worse i guess and hopefully some you know they're working to address that mm -hmm. and reverse that through raising interest rates and making a more realistic monetary, you know. Yeah, uh, we're, we're normalizing, right? Yeah, um, recalibrating. Which is great. Uh, I follow an economic forum. I'm a paid subscriber. It's called ITR Economics. I highly recommend anyone that's interested on what the economy is doing to check out that podcast and... Uh, I've read some of their books as well, um, and there's a big event that's supposed to happen. All the data is leading to this event, and it's in 2030. It's in exactly a hundred years um, back in time is, is when the uh, Great Depression happened. Okay, and it's based on uh, populations and countries, and uh, uh, the restricting of uh, population growth. Right. Some of these massive countries have said you have 1.5 children per household, that kind of a thing. Uh, China and some of the Asia countries, but China and Russia are going to be these big forces um, of this depression that's coming. And uh, it's a little bit hard to grapple with, but um, yeah, I've been tracking it and I'm encouraging everyone to buy hard assets. Yeah. Right, uh, through inflationary times and uh, ride this wave of the next seven years. And then uh, if, if it is um, hard assets, sell them. Sell them off right before that happens. And there's supposed to be this trajectory of um, uh, a cycle downwards, especially in real estate, that will uh, allow this, this huge opportunity in 3035 to scoop up things, uh, not things, but homes and commercial properties and yeah uh, for pennies on the dollar and and then ride this next wave of the the greatest wave we'll ever experience in our our time um so i'm excited about that and that's a big kind of initiative and push for the real estate business to guide people through that so 
<laughs> everyone is always screaming the end of the world is coming thing, <laughs> and they've got preppers and but yeah. it seems like what if so if you sold all your hard assets right before this occurrence yeah. i'm thinking like if if money lost all its value what would you do with mm -hmm. if you sold all your hard assets then you have nothing to yeah. barter or trade but i don't good, know good question yeah. I, I a response for that uh the goal is to have a primary property, mm -hmm. pay it off 100% so no one can ever take it away, pay off your cars, and then whatever uh, additional funds you have, you put them into bonds. Yeah, and who knows what will happen, right? Uh, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. But exactly. to, uh, to ride that wave in that capacity um, to, to be solvent through it is is kind of how my wife and I are moving I like that. into that. Yeah. Especially have like owning your own house, owning your own vehicles and then Every maybe paid off. Yeah. pack packing away some food Damn stuff. bunker. <laughs> yeah. Um I also heard something interesting with this uh economic forum where uh the CEO was talking and and uh, he said that his parents lived through that time and his parents said you know what Brian is his name. You know, there were certain people during that time that were okay. They were okay. Yeah. And it's because they had some of these measures in place, right? So it can be a time to thrive through that, but the the ultimate uh, giving and receiving of that favor or that preparation is then to support these these nonprofit organizations. That are going to be serving these populations that are really challenged yeah so it's kind of like a duty obligation responsibility if you do move in that direction in the right way to show up in the right way for those that are in need i could yeah because most my mind kind of gears towards how can i take advantage of this situation when the economy crashes that's when you want to buy you know yeah. real estate for pennies on the dollar or you know yeah. that type of thinking but also you can build yourself up in your community by helping your community. Mm -hmm. And then that has a lot of value also, Yeah, you, you know, cause you could either keep everything for yourself or share in the, the wealth that yeah. will ultimately make you more wealthy. I think, you know, cause it's like 100%. <laughs> this reciprocal, yeah. what you give, you get and what you put out comes back to you and, Correct. Stuff yeah. like that. I'm in complete alignment with you on that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for this time getting to know you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm glad. We haven't yeah. really had been able to talk in passing kind of like <laughs> after class and maybe yeah. here. Uh, just seeing you give your speeches and stuff was, has been very impressive. And you are a very impressive person. Mm -hmm. You have a great energy. Likewise. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Friday night, so I'm gonna go have a little drink with the wife, <laughs> hang out. Nice. But what, oh, what's, wanna, your, what's your drink of choice? I have been drinking <laughs> probably Voodoo Rangers are okay. like an, a juicy IPA. I was moving away from that because they're too strong, mm. and so I was like, and I like to just drink beer. So I was buying lower alcohol content beverages just yeah. for the drinking aspect. But I also just like wine. Mm. You know, like a Pinot, Pinot Noir. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bourbon 
Okay, so and, you like the stronger. Yeah, yeah the, the most recent one is uh, Angels Envy Rye. Uh, love that uh, f- finish to that one. It doesn't drink like a, a, a rye. It drinks more like a, a double-barreled, something smoother. And... Yeah, because I, I, <laughs> I like to just drink. Uh, it will – I can't do I'll, – I'll have some stronger beverages, yeah. but – then you have to drink less. And I like to just consume. Yeah, I do want to open I, this good, real quick, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you don't mind. And, and I, I don't know what it is, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was given by the monks uh, when they bought their spiritual center. They gave me that book, The Power of Kindness, and they gave me this. And I, I've just been holding it on, on, on kind of like my prayer area, right? My meditation space. Nice. And it's probably uh, the flags and some of their, their chants and prayers. Um, but I thought it would be served well for you to, to have it, and uh, the energy of those monks is are really impressive. Yeah, I'm all, I, I believe in energy, and you know, power. You, you can totally feel when someone has a negative energy. Yeah. And then same with the positive energy. So. Yeah. I am. In alignment, and I'm so glad you came <laughs> here, and and uh. You know, do you have a website or anything? I do, yeah. Teamsato.com. Uh, nice. I'm on uh, Instagram at steven.sato and then also uh, Team Sato Co. Co. Uh, yeah, everything kind of splinters off of that. I'm big into uh, following my dream of music creation, so I want to write songs. Wow. Uh, so I have uh, attached uh, on my link tree on LinkedIn. Uh, my music also have my spiritual story I've made some videos and put them on YouTube wow and, uh, what's your YouTube channel then yeah it is Stevie Lee Sato for music and then alchemy like collective for uh, the uh, spiritual side I don't have a big following there but yeah. I like to share and I, I want it as a time capsule but exactly I, I, th- I think more people will, will show up there we have a bit of a music art community time wheel um we uh, it's a non-profit organization really? that supports arts and uh, the arts music um and physically like painting and amazing et cetera. You're, you're, yeah your wife's a potter and painter uh my wife is a potter my brother is the uh creator of time wheel i'm a part owner oh my gosh Just cool s- small percentage owner like he's part owner of sheath i'm part owner of time wheel and he's really charging the front for supporting art Mm. and artists um in the community so it's a non-profit yeah who do you serve it's literally artists Mm. people artists trying to survive mm-hmm. as an as an artist that's a tough go <laughs> yeah exactly so I'd say, I'd say do something that you can make a lot of income in yeah right no matter what it is make sure you love it or whatever but then uh, do your art exactly do your art in conjunction i like that uh, to have that greater fulfillment on your passion clip that <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you everybody this was a great podcast. You never know what you're going to get. It's like uh, Forrest Gump and a box of chocolates. So <laughs> this was a great conversation. I'm very um, energized by getting this opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to you. And I will see you on Tuesday where I deliver my next I'm excited my for next it. icebreaker. My re... Uh, whatever the 
sequel. It's not a sequel, but it's just, I'm just doing it over again. Yeah. Practicing. Yeah. So. yeah. Practice makes perfect. And you have a fascinating story. So you I, too. I'm loving to hear uh, more about it. And uh, looking forward to learning more from you as a business owner and all the logistics of what this takes and the level of uh, favor you've found in your own journey is uh, inspiring to me. So thank you. Likewise. All right. Peace.